On this bonus episode, I present the real Santa Claus and his bad boy counterpart, Krampus. I uh, have to give credit to History.com, and if you want to read these articles that I'm going to feature, you can go to History.com, and the first one is Who Was St. Nicholas? This is by Nate Barksdale, and the second is Meet Krampus, the Christmas Devil Who Punishes Naughty Children, and this one was written by Becky Little. Both very well written and great accounts of the histories of these Christmas legends. One definitely a legend in America, and the other one a very odd and punishing legend over in Europe. Who was St. Nicholas? Behind the jolly, red-suited, shopping mall Santa of today lies a real person, St. Nicholas of Myra, a Christian monk who lived in the 3rd century A.D., in what is now Turkey. We know very few historic details about St. Nicholas's life. Even the year of his death is uncertain, although both the Catholic and Eastern Orthodox churches have celebrated December 6th, the date of his passing, for more than a thousand years. Within a century of his death, the much-admired Nicholas had become the center of a series of folk legends. He was credited with stopping a violent storm to save doomed sailors, donating money to a father forced to sell his daughters into prostitution, and even restoring the life of a trio of boys who had been dismembered by an unscrupulous butcher. Today, Nicholas is considered the patron saint of sailors, children, wolves, and pawnbrokers. That one uh, came out of left field there, pawnbrokers. I don't know. If you you see a connection in that, let me know. It just came out of left field. Uh, So sailors, children, wolves, and pawnbrokers, among others, as well as the inspiration for the figure of Santa Claus. By the Middle Ages, Nicholas's fame had spread to much of Europe, thanks in large part to the decimation of parts of his skeleton to churches in Italy, where they were venerated as relics. St. Nicholas's popularity eventually spread to northern Europe, where stories of the monk mingled with Teutonic folklores of elves and sky chariots. In the Netherlands, St. Nicholas took on the Dutch-friendly spelling Sinterklaas, He was depicted as a tall, white-bearded man in red clerical robes who arrived every December 6th on a boat to leave gifts or coal lumps at children's homes. So I'd I'd say as a side note, that is probably the first time that it kind of sounds like the true Santa Claus. Um, You can see that the uh, the legends behind Santa Claus are, are... are uh, close. So I'm actually surprised because I, I always thought that Santa Claus was 100% uh, Coca-Cola invention. I know the the image, the painted image that they have of him today uh, was a marketing tool used by Coca-Cola in the past, but it seems like the legend was already in place for them to use. So that's a misconception that I've I've now been corrected on. Continuing. Stories of Sinterklaas 
were likely brought to the New World by Dutch settlers in the Hudson River Valley. In his satirical 1809 History of New York, Washington Irving portrayed St. Nicholas as a portly Dutchman who flew the skies in a wagon, dropping gifts down chimneys. In 1823, another New Yorker, Clement Clark Moore, penned the poem A Visit from St. Nicholas, which traded the wagon for a sleigh drawn by eight tiny reindeer. Beginning during the Civil War, cartoonist Thomas Nast published the first of a series of popular depictions of a rotund and jolly St. Nicholas. In 1879, Nast was the first to suggest that St. Nicholas lived not in Turkey, Spain, or Holland, but at the North Pole. Okay, uh, I want to read this poem for you. I probably should have uh, looked this up before. Oh, this is a very long poem. Okay, no, no, it's the uh, it's the same one, the one that starts with "Twas the night before Christmas when all through the house dot dot dot." It's that one. Okay, I didn't realize. So that's the poem that they were talking about, that was written by Clement Clark Moore, and it was written in eighteen twenty three. Didn't know it was that old. So now you know the history of Santa Claus, which was summed up in about three paragraphs in this article. Well, the uh, history of Krampus has a much larger spotlight on it (laughs) on history.com. This is actually very interesting to me because, I mean, if you think about it, uh, St. Nicholas was an actual historic character, yet for some reason Krampus (laughs) is getting the, the larger spotlight. Go figure. Every year in early December... Children in Austria get ready for St. Nicholas to visit them. If they've been good, he'll reward them with presents and treats. But if they've been bad, they'll get a lot more than a lump of coal. They'll have to face Krampus. Who's Krampus, you ask? He's the half-man, half-goat who comes around every year to chase naughty children and maybe even drag them to hell. That's a tad extreme. European versions of St. Nicholas have long had scary counterparts like Bell's Nickel or uh, Necked... I'm not even going to try that. Let me just... What is it? Necked Ruprecht. Okay. That guy who dole out punishment... Krampus is one such character who comes from folklore in Austria's Alpine region, where he's been frightening children and amusing adults for hundreds of years. <laughs> I, I re- kind of reread this article beforehand, and uh, the, the thing, it's almost like this is revenge against children who are uh, a little bit too aggressive at christmas i think that like spoiled children this is the adult's revenge so frightening children like this thing is terrifying this thing is horribly terrifying yet adults are just jumping into it you'll see what i mean in a moment continuing on krampus and saint nick's other bad boys have their origins in pagan celebrations of the winter solstice later they became part of christian traditions in which saint nicholas visited children to reward them on December 5th or 6th. Around that time, his menacing partner 
would also visit kids to punish them. In Alpine Austria and some parts of Germany, this day was known as Krampusnacht or Krampus Night. Sorry if I'm butchering the language. When adults might dress up as Krampus to frighten children in their homes. <laughs> just, I'm sorry, just picture that for a second. Just picture the little kids sleeping. What is it? Uh, visions of sugar plums dancing through their heads. <laughs> and then this, their, their, their loving father <laughs> sneaks into their room. <laughs> sorry. Dressed as a half man, half goat, and wakes them to scare the living crap out of them. I just am happy that didn't take off in, in, in Canada or the United States. Anyway, continuing. Children might have also seen Krampus running through the street during Krampuslauf, uh, also Krampus Run. If Krampus Night was a way to scare kids in behaving themselves, then Krampus Run, which isn't tied to a specific day, was a way for grown men to blow off steam. <laughs> Well, probably still scaring the kids, of course. <laughs> I guess this is because of all the money they threw away on gifts. Just saying. Uh, continue. Australian, Austrian men would get drunk and run through the streets dressed as the fearsome creature. And uh, like Krampus Night, the Krampus Run tradition continues to the present day. <laughs> so they're still doing it. They're still doing it. I'm going to... Yeah, I'm going to... I want to look up... Uh, see if I can get you some images. Krampus Night. Oh my goodness. They're terrifying. Oh my goodness, there's this one guy here who's dressed up like the goat man and he has a severed head of another goat man on his stick. <laughs> okay, look it up. Uh, do a Google search of Krampus Night. And I think that's actually from one of the celebrations. And they got pictures of Krampus here too. It's on the Britannica website. But there's pictures of them wearing the mask. It's just absolutely terrifying. Anyway, the introduction of mass visual media couldn't help but sweep the charismatic Krampus up in its wave. When the postcard industry experienced a boom in Germany and Austria in the 1890s, it opened the way for Krampus Skarkten. I assume that's the holiday card. So these holiday cards weren't meant to make you feel warm and fuzzy. Ones marked Gross von Krampus, whose greetings from Krampus, showed Krampus stuffing a distressed child into his satchel or preparing to hit one with his bundle of birch sticks. Many of these postcards depicted Krampus going after children with his sticks, leading them away in chains or carrying them off in his bag. I am so glad I didn't live in the 1800s. Continuing. There were also cards that were a little more adult. Krampus cards in the early 20th century showed him punishing children, yes, but also proposing to women. In some cards, Krampus is portrayed as a large woman whipping tiny men with her birch sticks and carrying them off in her satchel to do God knows what. In another, a smiling woman dangles a defeated-looking Krampus in the air, holding his bundle of birch sticks behind her back. You can draw your own conclusions about the gender politics in these. i rather not. For over a century, most Americans probably never saw a Krampus card or even knew who Krampus was. That changed in 2004 when art director and graphic designer Monte Beauchamp published a book of Krampus cards and helped organize an art show inspired by the cards. 
Whether or not Beauchamp is primarily responsible for introducing Krampus cards to the U.S., Krampus's sin becomes a sense become a sort of icon in America. Etsy has a whole section inspired by the cards, and if you don't have time to send cards, you can buy an ugly Krampus sweater <laughs> to wear to your local Krampus party or Krampusloff. Krampus's popularity in the U.S. arguably peaked when in 2015, the feature film Krampus, which shouldn't be confused with many other low-budget Krampus movies, I assume they're all similar, although um, Krampus is relatively new to the U.S., this alpine legend is the original Bad Santa. I love both articles. I, I just absolutely adore them. Uh, the second one, though, definitely takes the cake. If I were to pick one of the two, it would be the second one. So thank you, Becky Little. You have given me quite a few laughs and some good cheer for the holiday season. Anyway, I hope you enjoyed the bonus show. I will talk to everybody next week. And have a very happy holidays.